Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the day, and we're doing our final Super Bowl preview as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 449. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out, where I chat with my friend Shield Kapadia from The Ringer. He just posted a new piece this week, 25 things you need to know about the Eagles and the Chiefs. A little Super Bowl cheat sheet there from Shield. So, Shield's going to bring his favorite three items for, to the table for three and out to kick things off for us as we get the national perspective on the this game on Sunday. After that, we don't have faux focus. We've got Bo focus, where my old friend Bo Wolf and I dig into this matchup with Bo putting his coaching hat on. What would he do if he were a member of the Eagles coaching staff? It's a spin-off of our typical faux focus segment with the master of puns himself as Bo takes us through the, his thought process as we get closer to kickoff. Then, to close out the show, we've got our traditional faux focus segment. We're going to bring in BJ Kissel, who was with the Chiefs when they won that first Super Bowl with Andy Reid, and he's now the CEO of KC Sports Network as he gives us a Chiefs perspective going into Sunday night. We've got a lot to get to. This is going to be a jam-packed show. Before we get there, make sure, as always, the best way to throw us your support for this Super Bowl run, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Leave us a question. Whatever you've got, leave it there. That's the best way to throw us your support. That said, I'm excited. Let's go three and out here with Shil Kupadia from The Ringer. How about this for a start? They've got him again! What a defensive stop. Slave second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three and out. Really excited to be joined this week on 3 and Out here from the Philly Special Podcast. Uh, a guy that I've been friends with for a long time. Shield Kapadia covers the Eagles in the NFL better than anybody. Uh, Shield, thanks so much for joining us here for the first time, I believe, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. I'm trying to think if you've ever been on this show before. I'm pretty sure you've been on Journey to the Draft before, but uh, here it is. The Eagles getting ready for Super Bowl 57. We have to bring in the big dogs. Yeah, I think there's a video or a photo circulating somewhere on the internet, I think, when I was on the Eagles beat. I came in. Uh, after, like, you know, during like an Eagles draft, I think with UNC Mac, my hair was looking good. That was a, that was a long, yeah. uh, a long time ago. You know, I was looking younger, svelte before uh, two kids made me look like the old man that I am today. But it's great <laughs> to be back with you. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get into this because you've been um, you know covering this game uh, and really obviously covering the covering the league over at the Ringer all season long. You're getting ready for this game. You just put out a piece earlier this week that I thought you know what this would be a perfect way to talk about this matchup in three and out, and that's the Super Bowl cheat sheet. 25 things to know. We're not going to cover all 25 from one content creator to another. I know you enjoy a good tease. And so I said, all right, what's the best way to bring people back to this? Let's give them your, your three favorites, and we'll use them for their three topics for, uh, for three and out. So I ask you, Sheil, what is uh, item number one that you want to bring to our attention from your cheat sheet? I love it. So you, you know me well, always have to drive back, uh, drive back to the content. So I, I appreciate that as the professional host that you are. All right, my first one, Fran. The Eagles have sacked opposing quarterbacks on 11.5% of their pass plays. Mm. That's the highest mark of any defense since at least 2000. Now, what I like about this is you can look at the difference between the Eagles and the second best team, which was the New England Patriots. That difference between those two is the same as the Patriots and the number 29 
Cincinnati wow. Bengals, just to show you what an outlier this pass rush has been. And so obviously, relating to this game, we know Patrick Mahomes is tough. We know Patrick Mahomes is a handful. I think I joked earlier this week, I could have done you know one piece of analysis on this game. Eagles win their battles up front defensively, win game. Eagles don't win their battles up front defensively, lose game. Because that, that's what I really think is going to be uh, you know, the, the number one bullet, the number one key in determining the, the outcome of the, of the Super Bowl. Yeah, and what makes it so fascinating is that I know one of the big storylines with Patrick Mahomes going into this game is that you know he has done such a good job this year of cutting down sacks. His pressure to sack ratio has dropped uh, big time uh, here this year. Um, you know, you lose Tyree Kill, he was kind of forced into changing his style of play and the way that he wanted to attack defenses. And one big evolution that he's made is how he's handled pressure, how he has gotten out of some of that trouble, and said, you know what, hey, rather than wait for the big play and go big game hunting, I'm willing. To to check it down and get it to my guys underneath. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, his ability to kind of problem solve and evolve based on what the defense is doing has been really impressive. And we've heard from coaches for probably as long as we've been doing this. And, you know, many of oh, sacks are overrated. You just got to get the quarterback off his spot, make him feel uncomfortable. And there's absolutely truth to that. In this game, I don't know if there's truth to that because, I mean, we, we've watched these plays where, yes, you get him off his spot. Yes, you pressure him, but he still finds a way to create those second reaction throws and make plays. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at some of the splits, kind of the longer he holds on to the ball, you know, a lot, a lot of quarterbacks, depending on their style of play, when it's like over three seconds, their numbers might go down. His numbers don't go down. He, he has yep. the you know, high, highest, uh, highest numbers across the board of advanced metrics when he holds on to the football. So it's not enough to just win those battles. You have to finish when you have opportunities at Patrick Mahomes. Eagles defense has done that all season long. They got to do it for one more game if they, if they want to win this one. Yeah, and one of the big X factors too, like Hassan Reddick, we talked about how often he's been able to win those one-on-one matchups and uh, get home for sacks, 19 and a half sacks in 19 games this year with the Eagles, including the postseason. But you know, with him, and this is something I broke down over on the kickoff show that we're going to be dropping over on the Eagles YouTube page later this week, is that you know the sack is not enough for Hassan Reddick. He, he leads the league in forced fumbles, not just this year, but over the last three years combined. You know, one of those plays, uh, as some some wise man may may have predicted, a big time sack fumble in Eagles Super. <laughs> history uh you know a play like that would turn could turn the tide here in this game no doubt and like i think if you pulled eagles fans and we're like who's the one guy you think is definitely going to show up in this game and yeah you know you, you don't have to worry about it at all like reddick would be near the top of the list i mean he's just been so consistent every game every big spot like they're not the you know the the misleading sack numbers no not at all like we could probably go through and name all of the impact plays he's made so that Chiefs offensive line we know their strength is on the interior and so I I do think it's gonna really come down to those edge rushers Josh Sweat against their left tackle Orlando Brown and then as you mentioned Hassan Reddick against Andrew Wiley and Brandon Graham also I mean Brandon Graham has been so good this year as that third pass rusher so those three guys against those two tackles like uh, that that's going to go a long way in determining uh, how well this Eagles defense plays. And even just here in the postseason, you know, we talk about it, uh, going into the Giants game. Oh, it's it's uh, Hassan Reddick against Evan Neal. The uh, the championship game, it's Hassan Reddick versus Mike McGlinch, and he comes through with sacks against both of those yeah. tackles and uh, going to be in the spotlight here once again in this game. So that is item number three from your cheat sheet. I know the, the second one, I'm going to help you out here, is item number six uh, from your <laughs> cheat sheet. What was uh, What would that one be? 
I appreciate that. You knowing that I forget about stuff uh, all the time. So uh, thank you very much for that. I don't, right, I don't know what the almond supply is out there in know, Arizona for you. I don't know if that's helping you out at all. You know what I do? I always pack the almonds and then I never eat the almonds. That's basically the <laughs> once a year. You probably do this after the season. You're like, all right, get the health in order. I'm going to yeah. do this workout. I'm going to do this diet. And then, uh, you know, as we know, it, it never lasts. So let's just uh, let's make sure we hydrate and take care uh, of, our, of ourselves during the Super Bowl <laughs> and after the Super Bowl. All right. Item number two, Fran, for you is the Chiefs actually had more explosive completions this year, 73 of them than they mm. did last year and the year before when they had wow. Tyreek Hill on the roster. Patrick Mahomes had 73 completions of 20-plus yards, 16 more than any other quarterback, and 15 more than last year. So what you were saying earlier, absolutely true. Kind of his depth of target has come down, but they've still found ways, both with Andy Reid scheming things up, and Patrick Mahomes' ability to kind of find where's the green grass, where's the open space, where are my wide receivers going, that kind of spatial awareness that he has, that they've still been able to produce those explosive plays. They've had more yards after the catch this year than any team in the NFL in the last 15 years. I mean, to just mm-hmm. be able to do that from one year to the next and evolve has been, uh, has been pretty incredible. I'm curious from you, like what have you seen on film that allows them to still produce those explosive plays when it's not just chucking the ball uh, 40 yards downfield to Tyreek Hill? Well, I think a big part of it is the way that Andy Reid consistently finds ways to be able to attack his own coverage. And you know, I know that when you look at like uh, the different splits with Patrick Mahomes, it's like a futile exercise to try and figure out like, oh, like where's yeah. the magic bullet to find that this situation where he's not good. Uh, so he's good against man and zone, but just being able to break down zone coverage concepts, especially with Travis Kelsey in the intermediate area of the field. That my favorite yak stat uh, with the Chiefs is actually that Travis Kelsey led the NFL in yards after catch on third down of all positions players uh, wow. in the NFL this year and that's Kelsey who's you know at this stage in his career especially not known for like game breaking ability but again that's just their ability there's so many of his catches you know we talked about it earlier this week on the show Ben Fennel and I two years ago before the last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl um, against the Bucks, we did a, a, a thing where we just went back and let's just study all of Travis Kelsey's targets and so many he's wide open it's like how is this guy how does this happen and it's because they do such a great job of formationally moving him around getting him a free release having him run through the soft spots and zone and he's just in this mind meld with Patrick Mahomes and uh, you know he finds open grass Mahomes finds him ball finds the end zone and that's kind of the formula uh, for that team and if you're the Eagles like you just can't let that happen here in this game you got to make somebody else beat you I think other than number 87. Yeah, it's such a great example of how much reps matter. And we probably tire, you know, coaches, there's nothing they like to talk more about uh, than reps, you know, during the season, training camp, whatever. And sometimes you're like, all right, we get it, reps, reps, reps. But they've run over three, he's run over 3,000 routes in games with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. That doesn't count off-season workouts, training camp, practices in season. That's in games. And so that really stands out. I mean, he talks about it, um, you know, with, with Jason Kelsey on their podcast. Like I, I've heard Travis Kelsey joke around like, well, yeah, you know, I was thinking about just doing my own thing uh, on this route because I saw what the defense uh, was doing, but I decided to run the route that Andy Reid called. But you see that on film. I mean, right, that touchdown he had in the championship game against the Bengals, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's supposed to run a corner out the corner, the defensive backs playing with outside leverage. He sees Patrick Mahomes break the pocket, kind of stops his route, and he's wide open for a touchdown. And so those types of plays are uh, littered all over 
the Chiefs film where those two guys are just on the same page. I mean, occasionally there'll be a play where, you know, Mahomes throws at one place and Kelsey isn't there and you're like, they're not on the same page. But man, the times that make up for that uh, really, really outweigh those times when they're not uh, on the same page. And so they can kind of make stuff up, uh, not, ev- not every play, but when they need to and when they see what the coverage is and, and when they see what they've done in practice, they can kind of react to each other and still make plays even when you feel like you had the perfect call. And to your point earlier that you made, that just getting home for pressure might not be enough in this game because of the the mind meld those two guys have. The play might seem dead, and then you know Mahomes finds Kelsey for a 17 yard gain on second and ten, and it's like, ah, oh, all right, now we got to re rack and start over. Start over. It's a, a tough way to live as a defense. Let's go to uh, point number three. If I remember, item number 19 uh, on your list of 25. What? Oh, what? You know what? In my head, I thought it was 18. See, this is why you're this is why you're a great host. Now I scroll down to 19. I already forgot what I just told you like 10 minutes ago. Listen, I know no one said I was good at this. All right, item number 19 on the cheat sheet: Eagles in 12 personnel this year. Okay, there have been 99 personnel groupings league wide that have played at least 50 snaps. Among that sample, the Eagles 12 personnel ranks third among 99 in EPA per play, which I'm sure your Mm. listeners and viewers know, but just a kind of advanced metric that looks at how efficient you are. And so they've been so good uh, out of 12 personnel. And, you know, this isn't like you're, you know, sometimes you think about it, do you have two all pro tight ends or whatever? But uh, when they've had Dallas Goddard and Jack Stoll on the field together, they've really put defenses in a bind. I mean, are you going to play them in base and say, all right, we got to match up to the big boys and not allow them to run the football? Well, if you do that, uh, obviously it, it's very simple football. You can you can throw the football against the bigger looks. And if they say, no, we're not going to let you throw the ball. Well, we've seen this Eagles run game. I mean, far and away the best run game in the NFL. So many different schemes, so many different techniques, their ability to adjust on the fly to what the defense is doing. They've been able to run the football on anybody. And so how are the Chiefs going to match up with that 12 personnel? How big of a uh, part of this Eagles game plan is it going to be? Uh, That's something I've got my eye on, especially kind of early on in this game. Uh, I'm sure the Eagles will want to put that out there and see how are the Chiefs defending it. All right, now what are we going to do with it going forward? You know, it was one of the big things, and I, I've been going back and forth on this. Like, every day I wake up, I think about it a different way, uh, getting ready for this matchup. I want to ask you, as we sit here on Wednesday, and again, your opinion may change, when you look at the way the Eagles offense is going to approach this game, do you feel like they're going to try and say, all right, let's get, let's get the run game going early? Or do you think, hey, you know what, let's, let's pass the ball early and set up for the run a little bit later? What, what do you think their mindset will be going into this matchup? Yeah, you know, typically, if you look at the numbers, I think it would surprise people when you look at kind of the neutral pass run rate. I think the Eagles are actually like the sixth most pass-heavy team in the NFL on early downs. And so they do like to say that, you know, I think their big thing is, and it's so smart, and, you know, talking to uh, just the offensive linemen over the the last month is just like Jeff Statlin's thing is like don't run into a bad look. I mean, that's at the core – of this offense. If you're going to stack the box and, you know, all right, well, they're, they're, the defense is loading up against the run, then they're going to say, all right, we can, we can throw an RPO at you. Uh, we can change some of the stuff we're doing to get the numbers back in our favor. Like everything they do, and we saw that in the NFC Championship game, the adjustments they made is to get the looks they want 
in the run game. And so I think the Chiefs are going to come in and really say we can't just get gashed by this Eagles offense in the run game. I mean, the Eagles have done that to team after team after team. And so I think it kind of depends what the defense is doing. But if we're if we're looking ahead and making predictions, I would think the Chiefs come out and say we're, we're going to commit some bodies to stopping this run game. And so maybe you see early on the Eagles say, all right, we can pass it a little bit. Let's try to get to a lead. You always know with the Eagles, and this is really a luxury that you know most teams don't have, if stuff's not working, they can come back on the next possession and say, Let, let's just run the football a little bit. We've got the offensive line. We know we can do this. We've got Jalen Hurts. We've got the backs. And so that's always something they can lean on. But I think it wouldn't surprise me if they come out, loosen up that Chiefs defense a little bit, and then kind of get to the run game eventually. Yeah, and because that'll be one of the keys is like during that feeling out period in the first quarter, those first couple drives. Like, all right, on the other side of the ball, is the defense able to kind of uh, maintain, uh, you know, the uh, the the. the um the, the score of this game and keep it close if the offense is stifling early uh, that's uh, going to be one of the big chess masses early is that this Eagles offense against that Chiefs defense how they're going to play that out it's probably something schematically I'm most excited about uh, in the first half of this game well uh, Shield I'm going to let you get back at it you're out in the desert covering this game uh, appreciate the time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast and everybody be sure you're, you should be subscribed already to the Philly Special podcast uh, Shield and Ben Solak we know very well uh, all of your work over at the Ringer appreciate the time as always here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Thanks, Sheil. Thank you, my friend. Good talking to you as always. Joining us here for, I believe, the very first time on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, I think. But wow. You'll, you'll have to correct me. I, you may have come on on a very early episode because uh, obviously the three of us, we were on the original Journey to the Draft podcast, me, you, and, uh, and Chris McPherson. Uh, and also we had the original Eagles Insider podcast. So I'm trying to remember if there was ever a point when you came on Eagle Eye in the Sky, and I, I could not go back in the archives and find it. But uh, certainly on the new version, uh, Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, Bo Wolf from The Athletic. You know him as the host of Birds with Friends. Uh, and Bo, uh, appreciate you uh, joining, joining us here for this week's episode. Well, thank you for having me. But now I feel a little bit offended. I didn't, I didn't realize it was my maiden appearance. Now I feel like you don't think of me as a football guy. Well, I mean, look, you, we, we know that your takes come in the front, you know, for, uh, for you are a true takesman, and we appreciate your true, your true takesman takes no, 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 no. Uh, over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm just grinding been, tape on backup offensive linemen. You know what of I'm course, talking about. Of we, course. We know this uh, at this point. Now, um, Look, we're going to go through uh, a segment that I'm calling Bow Focus. It's going to be a lo- very similar to what we typically do as Faux Focus. But uh, I will ask you first, before we get into uh, my questions for you in terms of this game that's, that's happening on Sunday, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. So media night uh, over and done with. You've been in Arizona for a couple of days. Just general vibes uh, from out in the desert here as the, uh, the Eagles prepare to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and I was thinking back to 2017. Um, and it was that was the only other Super Bowl I've ever been to. Yep. And I remember media night that night. Um, you know, the guys come out, everybody's got their recorders, um, and you're like, oh, are they like, are they like too interested mm. in the moment? Are they not taking it seriously enough? And then of course they went out and 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 won that game and played so well that that uh, Sunday. It was a little bit similar this game, like or, or last night at, at media night. They come out, they're introduced, everybody's got their their uh, cameras, you know. Kenny Gainwell is like pumping up the crowd and Zach Pascal is like flexing and posing and, you know, Slay is doing Slay things. But that's like much more the personality of this team, it feels like. Um, mm. th- this team is very much like, I think, of the opinion that they are the big bad boys. Um, they have their chests out. We are the best team. We will play you on our terms and you are going to have to beat us. And I, and I feel like that is sort of the way that they're approaching this week. 
All right, well, with that in mind, uh, I'm going to ask you to kind of stick your chest out and, and really mm. uh, put your stamp on what you think uh, the game plan will be going into this game. And I'll, I'll first ask you to put on your Shane Steichen hat. You are the Eagles offensive mm. coordinator. You're going into this matchup here against the Kansas City Chiefs. What is your biggest strength? What is the, the, the thing that your offense can hang your hat on going into this matchup that gives you the most confidence in your ability to win this game against Kansas City? It's tough because, like, I think that this Chiefs defense is – fine, right? And they've gotten better over the the second half of the season. But against the Seagulls offense, like it's sort of pick what you want to do. Um, I, I think the two things are like the, the Chiefs defense, if you look at the DBOA numbers by receiver, they are awful against number one wide receivers. Hmm. And so whether you, you know, if you can figure out if they're approaching AJ Brown or Devontae Smith, you know, like where Legereus Sneed is, um, I think, I, like, I just feel like Maybe this is a gambler's fallacy thing, but I feel like Jalen Hurts is due for a big Jalen Hurts passing game, which we have not seen in the past few weeks. And I think I, I think we're going to sort of see uh, the Eagles approach this game on offense like they approached most of the games in the regular season. I think they're going to try to pass early, uh, get some big plays downfield, hopefully get a lead, and then in the second half they're going to lean really, really hard on the running game because they have such a huge advantage against that Chiefs defensive line. Um, you know, the Chiefs defensive line is, I think, 15th in, in rushing DVOA, um, and they have not played an offensive line like the Eagles. I, I sort of feel like what we saw last week against the Niners on, on when the Eagles were on defense, where it was like, if you're going to go in 21 personnel, we're just going to play our 5-2. Uh, yeah. And that's not what we would normally play against a regular offense, but that's how we match that personnel grouping. We're fine. We feel like we're better than you. I feel like that's what they're going to do on offense. They're just going to be like, we're going to do what we do because you cannot hang with us. Mm. It's it's been really interesting because uh, you know when you talk about the, this matchup here, Eagles versus Chiefs, one guy that I feel like is kind of sliding under the radar that we're not really hearing a lot about is Dallas Goddard. And I, I kind of wonder, mm. like, has he become more of a factor than maybe uh, we're giving him credit for? Because we have, I haven't really heard him. You know, A lot of it is, oh, it's going to be the run game, and certainly Jalen Hurts is going to be a factor there. And then you talk about Devontae and AJ. Uh, I feel like this week I have not heard a ton about number 88 and his potential impact on this game too. And then, Fran, you've got you to factor in that Jalen Hurts really trusts Jack Stoll. <laughs> well, that's if you listen to any broadcast from weeks, uh, you know what, what was it like eleven to fourteen? Uh, you were bound to hear that at least once or twice. How does the how does the Chiefs' defense do against screens, Fran? Uh, you know, I want to go back and look exactly at those numbers. Um, I actually do have some of that here. I, if, I, if I remember right, they were screened often uh, over the course of this season. But I look anytime you have an aggressive front you're going to get plenty of screens. And I do think that uh, that is something that can uh, that can work against this defense as I uh, furiously scroll through my numbers here to take a look at uh, where they were against the screen. Um, actually, they were middle of the pack uh, in terms of screen defense. I, I look, at the end of the day, I think when you're lo- you're trying to figure out ways to try and mitigate Chris Jones and uh, just the, his explosiveness sure. upfield, we hit that earlier this week with uh, with Jeff and, and with Ben, um, is just how fast he's able to win and get upfield. Well, one way to kind of slow that down would be the screen game and we know that uh the Dallas is a, is a big part uh, of that schematic and I just uh, uh, on the other two guys on the outside this is uh you know this is not a grinding tape thing this is just a general feel vibe yeah. thing I just feel like Devontae Smith is made for these games he shows up for these yeah. um I, I just think that he is wired that way he was talking about it um in the locker room the other day about how like this is this is just another game I've been playing in these games my entire life mm. and I just like I just think I just feel like he is primed to have a big game in this moment, and I sort of feel the same thing about AJ Brown. Like these guys 
are so important to the offense and they haven't had to play a, a big role in the playoffs. I just feel like, mm. uh, you know, in a game where the Eagles are probably going to be having to score a lot of points, uh, this is, I, I, you know, I expect this to be a, a high offensive output game. I think both of those guys could, could, could sort of eat. And that's what's interesting about it, too, this dyna- the dynamic here is that you have that blend of, like, the young guys and newcomers that there's not a, a ton of concern about, but blended with the, the veterans that have been there, done that, the, the Jason Kelseys, the Lane Johnsons uh, on that side of the ball. And you say, like, yeah, all right, like, you feel comfortable about that group that the moment isn't going to be too big um, for them. And even with, with Jalen Hurts at that point as well, right, is, you know, and there's going to be plenty written about, talked about the rest of this week um, and already has been about the last time he was in a championship game and, uh, and all of that. But I don't know, like, you're around him every single week. Like, do you get the sense that that's going to be – I really have not once thought, like, oh, it's going to be too big for him. Um, it's just – interesting to have that with the young guys on this team yeah and I think I think that's right and I think I think it all sort of does flow down from Jalen Hurts uh which is like you know he's 24 years old but he's very much sort of the heartbeat of the team um Mm. and I and I think that they sort of embrace his you know his his Sabinisms his mantras that uh you know when you first hear them you sort of think that they're they're empty and cliche and then you see him go about his business every single day the exact same way and you realize that that is sort of the way that, that he lives his life yeah, you, uh, you've said it on previous podcasts. That, uh, he has converted you into being more of an intangible <laughs> yeah. guy. And I, agree. I think it's a, it's a really um, – uh, it's, it's, it's tangible, the impact that he has had, right? You always, like, take right. that uh, and say, like, yeah, like, you can see it. It's there, uh, the impact he has on this roster. Let's go to the other side. I will ask you now to put on your Jonathan Gannon hat on. Um, your biggest strength on defense, what gives you the most juice here going into this matchup against the Chiefs? I mean, I think, like, very specifically, it's got to be Hassan Redick against Andrew Wiley, right? Um, mm. I mean, Redick is just playing at such a high level. Um, and if somebody is going to wreck this game, you have to imagine it's going to be him. Now, and I think Josh Sweat can probably do the same against Orlando Brown. One thing I was looking at um, that I think is sort of an underrated factor here is now the Chiefs, you know, also had a bye and the, the you know, the post-championship game bye. So they are well-rested. But the Eagles have never been fresher on the defense, and especially up front, than they are right now. Um, They had that bye, and then they had two games where they got to sit basically the fourth quarter. Hassan Reddick's, the fewest snaps he's played in any games this season, the the, the two fewest are the last two games. Like, he is coming into this game, like, they can, can, uh, you know, throw caution to the wind, as Ron Jaworski (laughs) used to say, um, with those guys. Like, those guys can play... And, and, and let it all hang out because they, they have, like, so much gas left in the tank. And Fletcher Cox talked about this. Um, you know, he's talked about how much the rotation helps that for, for his old legs. Um, I, think, I think they have a chance to, to really eat against what is, like, a really awesome interior offensive line group. But I still think on the edges they, they should be able to get it after Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I think that when you look at um, you know just the, the the depth and the ability to kind of create some of those matchups, we talked about them earlier this week with Jeff Schwartz. Is the the matches on the matchups on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and just looking at Reddick going up against Wiley, Josh Sweat going up against Orlando Brown. Uh, I think that's another matchup where, uh, I, to me, in my opinion, that's tilted in the Eagles' favor here. I, Brown yes. um, certainly a, a big name and it has the ability, he does a lot well. Um, but you look at him against speed off the edge. That's what makes Josh Sweat uh, so intriguing. Is that you know, he's got that speed, but also that, that power element. He can win in both ways. Uh, and I, I think his speed could give Orlando Brown some issues off the other, off the other side. And then I think, you, you know, you feel good about your matchups on the outside, right? Like, yeah. you know, Patrick Mahomes can hit anybody when they've got, you know, an inch of space and he's going to create time and yeah. you're not going to be able to cover for eight seconds. But for the most part, I think you feel pretty good about, you know, Darius Slay and James Bradbury going up against whoever is healthy enough to be on the field for the Chiefs on the outside. 
I, I want to keep the discussion going on this side of the ball because I assume I know what your answer is going to be to this next question. I'm going to put on your Nick Sirianni. You're, you're the head coach of this football team now. What's mm. your biggest concern going into the matchup? Yeah, I mean the answer is Patrick Mahomes, right? Like Patrick Mahomes. It's, yeah, right. It's 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 uh, like what magic does this like wizard have under his under his cape? Like, uh, do wizards have capes, hoods? I think most. I think most hats? do. I don't think it's mandatory though. Yeah, I, think, I, okay. I, I don't think it's mandatory. Whatever it is, it's like it, it really does feel like this game is a thought experiment come to life between mm. like like the kind of argument you would have on sports radio. Like, would you rather have? the best roster in football or would you rather have the best quarterback in football? And let's see what happens when the two go up against each other. Like hmm. I, I hate to think of it in like a binary way like this, but it just, it sort of feels to me and I haven't made my decision on who I think is going to win the game yet, but it sort yep. of feels to me like either the Eagles are going to win this game handily, like the, the dominance on the line on both sides of the line of scrimmage is going to come up and it's going to matter. And you know, the chiefs defense is not going to be able to stop the Eagles offense. The Eagles get one or two turnovers or like it's a, it's a, Four point game with like twenty five seconds left, and Patrick Mahomes goes and, and leads some in, insane touchdown drive to win the game. Like, yeah, I just I, I I am like terrified of what he could do when he has the ball. And and that's the thing is you know you and I are are uh, simpatico and how, how we like approach a game like going in like there's all the ebbs and flows and just how you feel the game is going to go right and so <laughs> right. Um, you know just kind of thinking about it it's like all right well when you look at trying to keep, keep Patrick Mahomes contained it's like is that is that a fool's errand like uh, how hard is it going to be to be able to keep this guy from reaching the how uh, efficient they've been in the red zone despite losing Tyree Kill how, how right. explosive this team has been it's very it's going to be a very very difficult match. But that said, you know when you when you factor in the line of scrimmage, some of the things we talked about earlier with uh, Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and the rest of that group up front, it's going to be a really really fascinating matchup. And so in my mind, I've kind of gone back and forth, okay, with how this game could play out. There are I think there are a lot of paths to say like, okay, it could be like Super Bowl Fifty Two, where it's just the teams right. are just exchanging blows and it's high scoring and it's touchdown, 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 and whoever can force the field goal first uh, wins this game. Um, but I could also see you know it being a you know somewhat of a low scoring affair too. Too, where uh, you know maybe the the defense is able to get to Mahomes and impact him a little bit. Maybe he is uh, you know nursing that ankle a little bit more than uh, people think. So it, it'll be it'll be really really fun to uh, watch that play out. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's one of those things where like you know you do all the work to prep and then it will come down to like you know what what way a fumbled ball bounces. Yep. Um, or something like that. But I do think that like. You know, you're, I don't think that you're going to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes, right? It's right. about like you know, creating a big play that uh, it is able to like temporarily halt them. And how do you do that? Well, you know, you have the best pass rush in football, and you hope that you know Hassan Reddick can knock a ball loose. Uh, yep. Same for Josh Sweat, and and you hope you get some fumble luck, or or at least that's a drive ender, right? Um, yeah, and it's, so if, it's if, those if, handful if, of plays, those high leverage moments that you don't know yeah, when they're like going to happen. Taking advantage of those build. plays, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what it, yeah. I mean. It's the Super Bowl. That's what it should come down to, right? That's it. I agree. Uh, last question for you. Most pivotal matchup uh, on Sunday in your mm. mind? Ooh, that's a good one. You know what? I think I would say I think I would say the Eagles interior line against Chris Jones because yeah. I think that's the only path I see to the Chiefs stopping the Eagles' offense consistently is if Chris Jones has a monster game wrecking type game, and the Eagles have been so good against interior pass rushers all year. I think they've given up. Yep. I think they've given up three sacks. Uh, to interior uh, pass rushers, something maybe it's maybe it's five. Like you know, they shut down Dexter Lawrence a couple weeks ago. Now there is like the the interesting 
uh, personal angle for Isaac Sayamalu, where that game against the Chiefs in 2017, that game that got him benched, was yep. Chris Jones just terrorizing him. And so it's sort of a full circle moment for him. He's obviously a much better player now than he was then, but but you would imagine that there's you know some things going through his mind. But Kelsey has been awesome. Um, you know, Landon Dickerson, I think uh, it, it can be spotty, but I think that he, like physically he is he is well made for this matchup with Chris Jones wherever they move him. And so if the Eagles can stop Chris Jones from from wrecking this game, I just don't see them being able to to consistently stop the Eagles offense at all. And it feels like th- this season. I, I, now talking about it, I feel like I might uh, look back at this and just kind of uh, you know put out a, a tweet or two about it. Is that it feels like when it, the Eagles Flex. have gone up against a dominant defensive lineman, like an individual, they've had a really yeah. good plan for kind of negating that. Whether it was you know Bosa in the title game, Micah Parsons throughout the course of this year. You go through the, the list of some of the top pass rushers they face, and they face some really good ones this year. Uh, the plan has been pretty sound in being able to take them out of the game, and that's both that's run point. game oriented and pass game oriented. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm, I look forward to the tweet. Yeah, well, we'll keep an eye out. Uh, we'll see if uh, if I'm able to make some waves. But, uh, Bo, appreciate it. We got you for a full 15 minutes here uh, on your maiden voyage on the Eagle Eye in the Sky mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, make sure everybody, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're already subscribed. Uh, two birds with friends. Bo, this was a fun home and home. I was glad we were able to make it happen. Thank you, Fran, for having me. I'm sorry that we couldn't do this in person in Arizona. Well, we'll talk to you uh, on the Journey to the Draft podcast coming up soon. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in Faux Focus. Very pleased to be joined by a guy who's never been on this show, but talked to a number of times in the past when it comes to covering this Kansas City Chiefs team. Uh, he is the CEO of the KC Sports Network, previously a member of the Kansas City Chiefs organization. You can follow him on Twitter at BJ underscore KCSN. BJ Kissel, welcome to Faux Focus here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Fran, man, appreciate you having me on. Excited uh, to chat with you. There are a few uh, team reporters from my time back at the Chiefs that uh, I'd look around and be like, I want to do stuff like that. And you were definitely one of the the go-to people as far as the, the best way to do it. And your your listeners, your subscribers are very lucky uh, with the way that you cover the teams. You do a phenomenal job. Excited to, to chat a little I, I Super Bowl 57 that, with you. No, I, I appreciate that. It's, uh, um, you know, as you know, it's a, it's a labor of love, right? And we, uh, we love the, the content we're able to produce on a weekly basis throughout the course of the calendar year. Um, so let me ask you this. We're going to get right into this matchup. Obviously, a, a lot of layers to it, a lot of things to break down. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to put on uh, your EB hat. You are Eric Bieniemy. You're the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. What's the biggest strength uh, for this team entering the game? I think this is a pretty cut and dry answer, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes is a pretty good, pretty good football <laughs> player. Like, you get tired of talking. We try to figure out new ways to describe uh, what he does. And I know we'll get into it, but you know, it's not just that Patrick Mahomes is, is really good at football. You watch the highlights, you get, you get enamored with just the physical abilities, his, his creativity, uh, with what he can do. But Fran, you know, this as well as you cover the game that when you watch him, there's a, there's an art to what Patrick Mahomes has done. And it's, it's been described about him since he first got there. Even that red shirt year he had with Alex Smith, the way that Andy Reed, uh, Matt Nagy and those guys, uh, just developed, him or Mike Kafka, excuse me, developed him as a young player. Um, his ability to the mental acuity to play the quarterback position is something I don't think Patrick Mahomes has ever gotten enough credit for because we get so caught up into the highlights. You see him scrambling around and you don't understand uh, how much thoughts really going into a lot of the things that he's doing. And so between that and then Andy Reid, I don't have to tell you guys <laughs> a lot about Andy Reid and how good he is at and taking all the variables uh, that he's given in a particular game, if you give him time to build a game plan around that can have success with it. That's why going into the, the Bengals game, 
I wasn't overly concerned with the ankle because you gave Andy Reid 10 days to, to game plan uh, with that variable. He was going to put something together. It might not be what we saw from the past with him, but still definitely good enough to, to move the football and get some points on the board and uh, doesn't get any easier going up against this Eagles defense. So I think that's the part that I'm most excited to see is just how does Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Matt Nagy, how do those guys attack um, that pass rush and, and try to try to move the ball consistently? BJ, can I ask you, you know, coming into the season, obviously a big topic was the, the loss of Tyree Kill and what the adjustments Patrick Mahomes is going to have to make going into this season. Um, obviously, you're not surprised with what he did. You know, he, you knew he was going to still put up numbers, right? But uh, were you yeah. surprised at how fast and how productive he was able to, to make that evolution and make that next step here? Uh, really kind of changed a lot of aspects of his game on the way to leading what was the number one offense in basically every metric. Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised the success that he had. Um, I've got the receipts for those because, again, I, I'd said from the beginning that Patrick Mahomes is a lot smarter and a lot better of an overall quarterback than he had been given credit for just because, again, you get caught up in the highlights, but not terribly surprised. What I was more worried about is some of the easy yards that they used to get with Tyreek because teams were so scared to press him and to play up and even play man uh, for a huge part of it. And I think that was the biggest challenge for the Chiefs offense earlier in the year. Uh, with Patrick Mahomes is I think they assumed they were going to see less um, or excuse me, more man coverage than they had seen in the past, but it's not something that they had consistently found because teams just weren't playing a lot of man defense with Tyreek mm. Hill on the field. But Fran, they get, they used to have so many simple six to eight yard plays just by simply getting the ball to Tyreek very quickly and having him just run up and get six to seven yards very easily on a first down where it's that like, there wasn't a lot of stress on some of those plays where it just kind of like an easy six to seven yards. They weren't going to have the ability to pick up those easy six to seven yard plays early in downs this year. Uh, and then early in the year, offensively, when they did struggle a little bit, a lot of it was because of the just the amount of man defenses they were seeing. I think it was part of the reason they brought in Kadarius Toney, another guy that you just have to worry about playing a defense like that. If one guy misses, you're going to get a big chunk play. So um, not not overly surprised. I am a little surprised that the numbers were as gaudy as they were for Mahomes this year, but I think a lot of that is just a testament to them figuring out answers for how teams were going to play him because they weren't really sure going into this season uh, exactly what that was going to look like. Well, let's go over to the other side of the football, and I'll ask you now to put on your Steve Spagnuolo hat. If you're Spags, what, what is the biggest strength uh, on defense going into this game? What gives you the most confidence in your ability to win Super Bowl 57? Fran, I'm probably going to talk out of both sides of my mouth because the strength is also one of the biggest matchups and things to watch. Chris Jones. Uh, when Chris yeah. Jones turns it on and plays at his best, he is a defensive player of the year candidate. He is at that level. The defense really goes when Chris is wreaking havoc up front. Uh, but that being said, I don't expect him to necessarily go out and get 10 pressures <laughs> in the game uh, against this Eagles offensive line being the the best in football. I don't think that's really an argument at this point. And it's been a, a topic of discussion amongst Chiefs fans, um, you know, that battle in the trenches between those guys. But as much as it is about Chris and having him be that player of the year candidate, all the rest of those guys along the defensive line have had the best seasons of their careers. And I think the biggest pickup the Chiefs made this offseason, Juju was huge, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, obviously we saw last week had the best game of his Chiefs career, probably the best game of his overall yep. career uh, against the Bengals. But you know, it was Joe Cullen, their defensive line coach that the Chiefs hmm. had brought in from Jacksonville, who's gotten the most out of Chris Jones having the best year of his career. But honestly, Fran, it's guys like Mike Dana. It's Colin Saunders. It is the development of George Karloftis, the rookie edge rusher. He's not going to beat you with a 
ton of athleticism or a ton of speed or even a ton of strength, just solid all the way around. But he's gotten the most out of those guys to where the Chiefs went from dead last in the AFC last year in sacks as a team to setting the franchise record with 55 sacks, which is nothing compared to the 80,000, I think, that you guys had with the <laughs> Eagles. But for us, it was all offseason. They've got to fix the pass rush. They've got to figure out a way to get pressure on the quarterback. And they did that. And a lot of it had to do with guys getting better and developing. And a lot of that credit should go to Joe Cullen uh, that not enough people have been talking about. You were there, you know, with the organization when they drafted Chris Jones in the second round out of Mississippi State, and you know, one of the big knocks on him coming out was he he was kind of an uneven player. There were like flashes of dominance, and then there would be other times where you're like, oh, like is he giving his all? You know, what what is the, the mercurial style of his play was one of the big knocks on him. Um, do you still think that's the case? You know, what, what can Eagles fans expect for the majority of this game? You know, Chris is such a fun dude to be around. Just his personality. I always say he's just like a giant kid. Like he's a giant, like eight year old and just like a man child's body. Uh, he goes out there and play football, but he's really matured, you know, over the last few years. Not that he was immature coming in, but he just joked around and kind of had, like sure. you said, that, that kind of up and down style. And I think that that's one of the reasons, uh, you know, I've been one of the biggest supporters of Frank Clark since he arrived because I saw the difference. Um, I, I know that you get that perspective as well, that a lot of people on the outside can't always understand. It's hard to articulate sometimes. Uh, when guys come in and just they don't change the entire locker room, you know, there's 53 personalities and plus practice squad. It's hard to to necessarily step out in that way. But there are guys that just come in that just kind of they're a they're a perfect fit to the puzzle and they step in to do everything the right way. And I really think Frank Clark was huge for Chris Jones from a mindset, mentality, um, all of those types of things that we're talking about. That's really locked Chris into where this year it just perfectly came together uh, with Spag's scheme, with Joe Cullen coming in, get the most of those guys young players around him, not making him feel like he's got to be a hero on every single play. And he can stay within the structure of, you know, the gap assignments and those different things that he's being asked to do that were a knock on him early in his career where he'd swim through some, some gaps and some responsibilities, to try to make a play in the backfield. And sometimes that would backfire. And if his player, the guys around him either didn't know he was doing it or didn't necessarily know um, how to play off of it, it could lead to problems overall within the structure of what the defense was trying to do. So I think the combination of Spags, Frank Clark, and all of that have just set Chris up to have a season to where we have seen him locked in almost every single week playing his best football. And it's the reason why, you know, you look at some of those advanced analytics stats said that he's the best defensive tackle in football this year. He's certainly playing that way. Uh, there's no question about it. And I, he is the guy who's capable of wrecking that game on, on that side of the football. Uh, let me ask you now, put on your Andy Reid hat on. You're the head coach of this football team. And this could be on either side of the ball. What's your biggest concern uh, going into this game on Sunday? Pass protection. I mean, you've got four dudes uh, starting that can get after it, plus the guys you're bringing off the bench. As somebody that calls himself like an amateur draft person, I just love the draft. Every player that you got that go, gets after the quarterback. I remember watching and talking to Hassan Reddick was one of my favorite players coming out of the draft that year. He's a Temple guy. Andy Reid's very familiar as both his sons were at Temple with Hassan. Yep. I remember going to the Combine in Indy and talking to Hassan Reddick about the relationship with the Reid family um, and how you know caught up he was in it. And side story, you know how this stuff works. I went and asked a bunch of Chiefs questions to him. And next thing you know, like three days later, every website in the country had aggregated the Chiefs are looking at Hassan Reddick just because I asked him questions <laughs> at a presser and people saw it. But um, yeah, I think we've seen it. I think it's not next level football analysis, you know, uh, the stuff that you give uh, your listeners here, Fran. But 
you know, if you can get pressure with four, you can wreck anything. And that includes what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes. We saw it, and it was an extreme example, but a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl against the Bucks, Yeah. Chiefs offensive lines banged up, and they just absolutely wreaked havoc up front. It doesn't matter how good you are, uh, how good your game plan is. If you can't give a little bit of protection um, to Patrick Mahomes or any quarterback, you're not going to find success. So it, it starts with the Chiefs offensive line. Interior, uh, they're very good. Uh, along the interior offensive line. So when people talk about the Chiefs offensive line and at times they've struggled, it's really been the two tackles, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley. Uh, Andrew Wiley's a guy that had played a lot of different positions and kind of settled into right tackle over the last couple of years, but he'd been kind of a, a sixth man that had moved around earlier in his career. Uh, and then last week I was really interested and it was interesting to see how a lot of the help, the chips, a lot of the extra attention were given to the left side. And Andrew Wiley was really put on an island uh, and a lot for a good portion of that game. So Andrew Wiley is going to have to have the best game of his season to do something like that. And after watching your guys' NFC title game, I just hope they don't use a backup tight end to try and block Hassan Reddick because I don't <laughs> think that's a good plan. <laughs> that, is, that, yeah, that, that has not been a winning formula for offenses uh, going one-on-one on the tight end with Hassan Reddick. Um, so we'll see. I, I would hope not for uh, for Blake Bell's standpoint or whoever uh, would be that, that backup there. Um, most pivotal matchup, one-on-one, Sunday. Uh, what's one that tilts the outcome of this game? I'm going to say the same. I'm going to talk about you know, go back to it, but I think it's the Chiefs defensive line against the Eagles O-line. It's the same one that yeah. I brought up last week going into the Bengals game, but for a completely different reason. It, all the talk that, at least on our network, that we all pretty much agreed that it was the Chiefs defensive line needed to wreak havoc on the banged-up Bengals offensive line. And we kind of likened that situation very similarly to the Chiefs going into that Super Bowl against the Bucks, where there was a patchwork offensive line it was kind of fool's gold in the second half of the Bills game that year in the AFC Championship just because they had pieced it together after Eric Fisher had went down where we all just kind of assumed yeah. the offensive line would be okay and they'll be fine, they'll get it done. I think a lot of that was similar to the Bengals is that they just they pieced it together for a little bit. Like, no, our offensive line will be just fine. And for us, it was like, this is where a very improved Chiefs defensive line led by Chris Jones needs to dominate this group to make a difference in that game. And we saw it from the first quarter on, like they absolutely dominated up front. I don't expect there to be any level of domination like that, but when the chiefs have struggled, they have been gashed in the running game at different times early in the season. And those guys have to play well because you start getting the second level of the chiefs defense. You get them moving a little bit. You get Nick Bolton and Willie Gay thinking run with how good you guys are up front in the running game. It opens up everything else. And a lot of, you know, the passing game, the short middle intermediate stuff, uh, has been an issue for the Chiefs. They're not real strong up the middle at the second level in, in pass coverage. And so you get the running game going, you put a lot of stress on those linebackers to to cover a lot of space and to be there in a lot of different ways. And that would be the one kind of big thing I'm focused on is just the Chiefs defensive line. They need to play well. I don't expect you know, 15, 20 pressures like they had last week. You guys just don't give up that kind of uh, chunks. But uh, or that kind of pressure, but they've got to to make a difference in the game and at least try and make them one-dimensional enough uh, to steal some possessions. Can I quickly ask you one follow-up there, uh, BJ? Because sure. I've been going back and forth on this all week. Like, every day I wake up, my opinion is different from what it was the day before. 
In terms of Steve Spagnuolo and the plan to attack Jalen Hurts, uh, do you feel like they're going to lean more into you know what they've been for most of this year, which has been you know less aggressive, less blitz than what we've seen from Spags in years past, or do you think that they will try and turn the heat up a little bit? Because that has been kind of a consistent theme is that we've seen defensive coordinators blitz a little bit more than their seasonal average, or do you think that they're going to play it a little bit safer and say, hey, you know what, we don't want to have to contend one on one with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith on the perimeter, and we're going to keep playing you know more some umbrella zone coverage. I can see him getting aggressive in this one for, yeah. for multiple reasons. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, we know, I mean, everybody's talking about Patrick Mahomes' ankle. Jalen Hurts has been banged up uh, coming back from the shoulder, too. So see how willing they are and what their answers are. Uh, you may see that, that kind of that chess match stuff early in the game. What are they going to do when we send? What, what are the game plan or what are the, the answers they have for these things? And, you know, it's funny to talk about Spags not being aggressive because every time I don't think he's going to be, he just sends the house. Yeah, right. He loves to go cover zero inside the red zone. He will just absolutely send everyone uh, after an opposing quarterback. And when they faced quarterbacks in the past that have been pretty mobile, that can move around, that have a running game, they'll, they'll send pressure. Um, I don't expect Steve Spagnuolo to sit back uh, in any kind of big game. So if he, he wants to dictate what's going on, he doesn't want to sit back and react. So um, I would expect there to be um, some level of aggression out there. But at the same time, you know, uh, it only takes a couple of plays to bite you before uh, yep. you, know, you get out of that pretty quickly. And so I don't know what the chess match is going to look with those first 15 with that first quarter and all the information that they're gathering on how they're going to answer both sides. But I would be really, really surprised when this is all said and done if we weren't talking about the Chiefs defense being really aggressive. Yeah, as we've mentioned, I don't want to sound like a broken record for our listeners, but to me, it's those high leverage situations in this game. The third down and red zone snaps are going to be put under such a microscope, and uh, it's going to be plays like that. You know, those cover zero blitzes. Like, which way do they go? Is it going to be a sack or a field goal, or is it going to be a touchdown? Uh, those are going to determine the outcome uh, of this game. In this, in my mind, BJ, thanks so much for joining us once again. Everybody, make sure you go follow BJ if you want some more Chiefs coverage uh, getting into this matchup. If you're listening to this early enough in the week uh, leading into Sunday night's game at BJ underscore KCSN on Twitter. BJ, thanks so much for joining us here once again on Faux Focus. All right, thanks, Fran. All right, so great stuff there from BJ Kissel, Bo Wolf, and Shield Kapadia. We've got a little bit more analysis here. We're going to close things out with our Eagles game plan crew. This is all analysis that got left on the cutting room floor for our final episode of Eagles game plan this season. Great analysis from John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, Greg Cosell that, again, due to time constraints, could not squeeze into this week's show, but I kept it for you here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Well, he's only been sacked three times. He has been able to evade pressure. But how about the defense? We saw the one touchdown Christian McCaffrey against, you know, in the NFC title game. Got to work on the tackling. What do they need to do against the player from Rutgers, Isaiah Pacheco? Well, I tell you, he's another hard runner who doesn't go down with initial contact. He keeps those legs moving. Um, very good football, tough player, runs tough. You just got to get guys to the ball. The more guys you get to the football, the less chance, even if he breaks a tackle, does it turn into a big play. So the more hats you get there, the better chances you're going to have of getting the runners to the ground. And he's such a violent runner. He's going to run you over. <laughs> the, the kid is just a phenomenal football player. And I think he's going to continue to grow as a player. But you're exactly right. 
population to the football is going to be key in this game. Jarek McKinnon, they're also going to try to get him the ball in the passing game? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. He, I think he's emerged arguably as the best back out of the backfield, you yeah. know, since Clyde uh, Edwards-Hilaire went down. Jarek McKinnon has been uh, a revelation for this offense. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He certainly has the ability to run. They'll move him around in the formations. A smart football player. That's what Coach Reed likes about his football players. McKinnon, Sort of a Brian Westbrook type of a player where he can be used in the passing game and the running game. Yeah, these multi-dimensional players is what Andy Reid really loves. And he can line them up in different positions and they can do so many things. Andy Reid's going to dress up plays and they can be simple plays that you've seen over and over. But he'll dress them up differently and just hit you in different ways. Give you a lot to think about. You know, the whole eye candy showing you things and you're expecting one thing, but it's the same play that he's been running over and over and over again. He's really good at that. And a lot of motion. How about the Eagles defense on alert for some gadget plays or trick plays? You played under Andy <laughs> Reid. He likes to bring some stuff out in the biggest games. Yeah, and as a former player of his, we loved it, right? We loved yep. to see what Coach Reed was, the mad scientist, was going to dial up that week to sort of be creative on the offensive side of the ball. But now, on, now I'm on this side of things and we're going up against that offense, you got to really be prepared for just about anything. We've yeah. watched Coach Reed in these big games, and he usually brings out a formation or two that we've never seen before. I mean, this guy has gone back to the 1940s oh, to yeah. bring up plays and run it in the Super Bowl <laughs> in the most opportune time. So, you know, you can't prepare for everything, right? But you have to be prepared for the unexpected. Yeah. You just, you're going to get that. And if for no other reason, just to keep you on your toes. John, you're going to see motions. You're going to see shifts. You're going to see formation variations. You're going to see different personnel groups. But you have to understand the concepts of the routes, of the plays that they run from these different variations. And make sure that you know the landmarks defensively and you hit those landmarks. He literally started a play with all his guys in a huddle, and he oh, did like the merry-go-round thing. He had a ring around the rosy yeah. thing, and then they all broke into formation. I, 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 I saw that play. That. I, I saw it one day at the playground on a Saturday <laughs> right. at a YMCA football game. <laughs> exactly. But Andy Reid will do that so, sort of thing just to throw you off. Yep. It definitely is. Man, I'm watching Sunday, and I got a lot of respect for the 49ers defense, especially those linebackers. Love watching those guys fly to the ball. You didn't see any of that, or you saw very little of that Sunday versus this Eagles team, and it's because of plays like this. Yes. The RPO, it makes you a step or two slower in your reaction. The offense knows where they're going. The defense needs time to react as opposed to fast-flowing to the football, and all it takes is for that second delay in your reaction for the offensive lineman to get the proper angle on you. I'm watching Jason Kelsey come around. He almost didn't even have to block yeah, anybody. No, yeah, he was right. looking for somebody to block <laughs> because they were slow on the backside. Man, I'm so glad I played in the era where this type of offense was not <laughs> a factor and you had to defend it because the Eagles are the best at it. Yeah. And you take away one thing, you can't be right. You may be right in taking away the initial run, but if Jalen pulls the ball and decides to throw throw it, Dallas Goddard is wide open there. We've seen where Devontae has faked that block as if it was a run, and when Jalen pulls the ball, Devontae is able to slide back for a touchdown pass. It's so difficult to defend. Man, the RPO game, the Eagles are the best at it. The key word you said is Jalen's decision. 
And he's so good at making the right decisions on when to pull it, when to throw it, and when to run the football. And that, to me, has been the key all season long. He's so good at making that decision in a split second. Oh, man, I'm looking at the chess matchup between my old linebacker coach and Steve Spagnolo, who's the Kansas City defensive coordinator, going up against Shane Steichen. Now, Spags loves to use his sub packages, right? So you want to get athletes out there to try to give you an advantage against this Eagles offense. Well, I think this is where the Eagles can take advantage of these sub packages. They like to move defensive end uh, Mike Dannon down inside, right, in that three technique position. Now, this guy, he plays hard. He gives you maximum effort but he's only 250 pounds. And going up against the interior offensive line that we have, I think that's advantage Philadelphia. And then also Justin Reed, one of their young uh, safeties, very good, but they like to bring him in there to play linebacker in some of their dime packages. So if they look out there on the field from an Eagles offensive standpoint and they see the sub package out there with these smaller guys up front, don't be surprised if we start to lean more on the running game there. Even if it's in third and medium situation, when you got a light box, literally, when you're talking about the size of some of these players in the sub package. That's the big advantage we have on offense is our massive offensive line. These guys will be able to reestablish the line of scrimmage on Kansas City's side of the football. I look for that to be an advantage for us. If Kansas City goes with the sub packages and they use their lighter players, Mm -hmm. look for us to run the ball against them. And again, when you have all of that youth on the back end, you really have to try and show them some stuff. Give them some eye candy. Give them some misdirection. Give them some things to think about and take advantage of that youth because they will blow assignments back there. And Fran talked about the shift with Steve Spagnuolo. Basically, not a lot of man was blitzing a lot. And okay, if there's two safeties back, how patient does Shane Steichen and Jalen Hurts have to be? Well, that's going to be the key right there. And I thought we saw it last week and we saw it against the New York Giants. They came out against the Giants. They hit Devontae Smith with the big throw. And immediately you saw Wink Martindale say, you know what? Yeah. We can't lose by them throwing the ball right. all over the field. We're going to try to make them run the football. It shortens the game for them, especially if you don't think you can keep up offensively with the Eagles. But when the Eagles recognize that there's two safeties high, that's a light box. We're going to run the football. Mike talked earlier in the show about Jalen and his decision-making. Well, part of that is recognizing before the snap of the ball what type of defensive box he's getting and then checking to a play that puts the Eagles in a great position. I expect to see that in this game. Jalen has been masterful at being able to get the team in the right play versus the defenses that he sees. We know that defenses, well, in general, Coaches want to make sure that they're making the right adjustments to what you're doing. And we saw that, in, as you mentioned in the previous game, and that's going to be so important. This is the Super Bowl. Yeah. And the chess match that is in, within the game, it's going to be on high alert in this football game. And be sure to check out, again, the final episode of Eagles Game Plan. It goes up digitally on Friday across all Eagles channels, or if you live here in the Philadelphia area, Sunday 10 a.m. on NBC10, again, locally here in Philadelphia. Great stuff all season long from the Eagles game plan crew. Thanks to all of them, and thanks to you as well for all of your support here on this show and all the rest of our podcasts with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.